story. Well, I've, I've been thinking um, this last week as I was preparing for this sermon. In the big scope of things, life has been good to me. I'm, I'm a privileged person. There's no doubt about it. I get along fairly well with other people, which is probably a good thing in the line of work that I'm in. Most people like me pretty much, I think. I mean, I have some baggage just like everybody else does. When I was a kid in school, they would make fun of me for being taller than all the boys and having bigger feet. Um, and there were other things in my life, but I coped. I got through it. I'm here. And I learned over my lifetime to just sort of live and let live and not take things too seriously, you know? That's the way it's worked for me, and it's, it's been fine, except for my encounter with the Walmart lady. Now, I'm going to tell you about the Walmart lady in just a minute, but we need to hear from Jesus first, okay? So we are going to be reading again from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verses 38 through 48. So hear the word of God now. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you to court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask and don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. Now, if I were reading to you from another uh, translation of the Bible, I would be reading, Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God this day. So in order for me to tell you about the Walmart lady, I've got to tell you about my middle son, Jimmy. Uh, they always say the middle child is the one that struggles kind of the most and is always the, uh, uh, gets most of your attention. Well, Jimmy uh, probably was no exception. Jimmy um, is the, the third. My husband is James Earl Jr. and Jimmy is James Earl III. He has, Jimmy has a son who is the fourth. Jimmy is six foot nine. He wears a size 17 shoe. He is, oh, he's just, he's beautiful. He's just beautiful. I love my Jimmy. Love it when he comes to see me, I can hug him. Now, the thing about Jimmy is that when he was about, I guess, 18, when it was legal for him to do it, he got his first tattoo. 
And I don't know if any of y'all, I mean, yeah, I, I know that culturally tattoos are different. This was several, several years ago. But I bet you that there are some of you in here who have children with tattoos, and, and, and when they got their first one, you went, oh, why'd you do that? I wish you, and, and, and y'all wanted to say, now, wait a minute, that, that skin was mine before it was yours. You can't go coloring on it like that. But he did. He got his first tattoo. And, and, and then what happened after that was he got another one. And he got another one and another one. And as the years went by, he got another one and another one. And, and pretty soon, he was pretty much covered up in reds and blues and yellows and greens and every shade in between. And so I had to make this decision. Now, that's another sermon that I'm not going to preach today. But I had to make this decision and realize how idiotic it was for me to let something like that build a wall between my son, who I love dearly, and me. And so I was the one who grew and learned from that experience. And now I absolutely love his tattoos. He has an arm for his daddy, which is Jim retired from the Navy, so it's a nautical arm, and an arm for his mama. It's more spiritual, you know. So um, I'm, I'm interested now in when he's going to get more, but he's kind of held back because now he has children, and all his tattoo money is going for gymnastics and cotillion and soccer and all those kinds of things. <laughs> So that's my Jimmy, um, and, and, and Jimmy and I, if you're a mother with an adult married son, you're going to know what I'm talking about here. Jimmy and I were in Walmart one evening, and I never get Jimmy to myself. His wife, you know, is always there, and so when I get my son by myself, that's always a fun thing. And so we were in Walmart together shopping. He was pushing the cart, and we were just walking around, just having a good time, laughing and enjoying being together. And, and we went to this intersection, like between the ladies' handbags and men's underwear, I think it was. And, and, and there was another cart coming, and, and we almost collided. It was this woman. She was in her mid-50s, I would say. She had this big cross around her neck, and she had on a, a Jesus T-shirt. It said, Jesus died for me. I didn't read the back, but that's what the front said. Um, and and when, we, when we first, you know, kind of ran into each other, she looked kind of startled. And, and then she stood there, and her eyes traveled all the way up to Jimmy's head and then all the way back down to his feet. He had on shorts, so all his leg tattoos were showing too. And then she looked back up again, and then she looked at me. And then, this is the truth, this woman sort of snorted, you know, just kind of like, ugh. And, and she shook her head. She shook her head like that. And, and she kind of scrunched up her face, and she stepped back like she didn't want to be too close to us, like we smelled bad or something. Now, y'all, I got to admit that that woman got the best of me, <laughs> Because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how to respond to her. Oh, well, excuse us for living, you know. That was, that was about all I could think of. How do you respond to something like that? So I finally just smiled and, and walked away. And I, was, I remember I had to grab Jimmy's arm and drag him with me because Jimmy um, is not quite um, as calm as his mama is. He's a good bit more outspoken, and if it comes into his head, it comes out of his mouth. And so I knew I had to grab him and, and get out of the way pretty fast before something escalated. And I knew, too, that he had experienced it before, all the stares. You know, I mean, when you're like this huge, giant piece of artwork, people are going to look at you. 
Uh, many were very positive and affirming, but of course there were others who were not. But, but in, in the Walmart that evening, I was indoctrinated into a place that I had never been before. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. And, and it made me think, I, I know that lots of people have to face that every day of their lives. You know, there's the old cliche by now, I guess, but it's true if a, 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 a young black man steps into an elevator, all the white women hold their purses a little bit closer, you know, or, or if a, a woman who does not speak English is checking out at the grocery store using food stamps, she's going to get all the hostile stares. People are treated like that every day in this country and, and all over the world. But as I said earlier, I'm white and privileged and, you know, I am who I am. So I had never gotten a stare like that. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm glad I did because I learned volumes from that and it taught me to be a better person because we were being judged and convicted by this woman simply because of the way that we looked, at least the way that she thought we looked. Now, I think if we could figure out what was going on in her head and her heart at that time, it might be easier for us to figure out what it is that Jesus is talking about in this scripture. Certainly what Jesus talked about all through his ministry. What, what was it inside her that caused her to respond that way? Well, I, I can't know for sure, but I can tell you what I think. I think she was trying to be a disciple of Jesus. I mean, she had the cross, she had the t-shirt, she had the uniform, that's for sure. And, and, and she was on the lookout for sinners, which we happened to be at the top of her list that particular day. And somewhere in life, she must have read enough of the Old Testament to know that there's a place in Leviticus that talks about tattoos and it's not good. But did that make her a disciple? At least the kind of disciple that Jesus wants us to be? In our scripture that we read, Jesus is asking us to do some hard, hard things. Turn the other cheek. Give away your coat. Lend to everybody who asks you. Love your enemies. That's what Jesus does. He's, he's turning the way we always do things upside down. And what he's doing is asking us to do something. He's asking us in, in everything that we do. Remember the first time I was here, I said that being a disciple is what we do from the time we get up in the morning until we go to bed at night and even in our dreams. But, but Jesus is asking us in everything that we do to cognitively and spiritually think about creating this space around us. And, 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 and it's a space that teaches us to be humble it's a space that restores the other person's dignity. It always lifts up the other person that we're with rather than tearing them down. It's a space where we are always, always to seek the common good. That's what Jesus calls us to do. But I'm going to tell you, as I stood there in Walmart that day, I was reminded of how very hard that can be. Because you know what I wanted to do? 
All I wanted to do was get up in that lady's face and tell her to wipe that surly look off. <laughs> I wanted to be Mama Hen and protect my baby chick, all six foot nine of him. Every instinct in me said, attack. That's who we are, right? That's, that's what we do. That's, that's, that's who we are. And Jesus knows that. He knows our human hearts. He knows our human natures. He knows our human condition. But he doesn't let us get by with it. He doesn't let us go. He just keeps on calling. He just keeps on messing with us. Calling us to maturity. He just keeps on pushing us, as it says in the scripture, to be perfect, even as our heavenly Father is perfect. Whew. Okay, you can exhale now. Because here's the thing. We are one heck of a long way from being perfect. But we're all a work in progress, and that's what's important. That's what I want you to remember today. Here's what I learned and what I'm still learning. Even though it kind of felt like I failed because I let that woman get by with acting the way she did and treating us the way that she did, it, it felt sort of like I had failed when I didn't stand up to her. But I didn't fail. I didn't fail because it was Jesus who gave me the strength and the, the wisdom to smile and walk away. I, I was able to be generous with her and hospitable to her for one reason and one reason only. Not to let her walk all over me, but because God is always generous and hospitable and loving to me. Hear what I'm saying? It is because God loves us that we are able to love others. We cannot do it on our own. It is God's love that we are sharing, not ours. Because God's got this incredible vision for the world. God sees what the world can be, not, not what it is right now. God sees a world that cares less about getting it right and more about loving as God loves. And here's the good news. We need some good news. This kingdom, this new world that God has created, it's already active. It's already alive. It's already moving to fulfillment. The train has already left the station, and y'all, we are on board. Jesus got it started, and Jesus is going to see it to completion. We're pretty much just along for the ride. But we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention. We have something to do too. We can't be careless the way the Walmart lady was careless. Because, now here's the part in this sermon that I wasn't sure how I was going to preach. And so I'm going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to enter in and help us here because each of you is going to hear this in a different way. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Because unless I am badly mistaken, and I have read this the wrong way for all these years, Jesus calls us to love through the tattoos, doesn't he? That's the only hope 
for the world. It always has been and it always will be. This hard call of Jesus is this call to unity, this call to love each other through all our differences. And, and there are so many. We see things in different ways. We come from different places. We've, we've been raised differently. We believe differently. But in Jesus Christ, we are unified. We are one. We are the church. And, and, and so we have to remember that Jesus calls us through the cultural things of the world, not just the tattoos, but all the body art. Good gracious, who knows what's going to come next? On Facebook, I was watching, looking at something the other day, you know, the big ear, the ear, what, what do you call them? Yeah, there you go. And then, who knows what's going to come next with body art? But I'm going to tell you, don't get hung up on it. Enjoy it. Life is, life is different. It's just, it's just art. It's just art. It doesn't, it doesn't define who we are. God calls us to love through the halftime show at the Super Bowl. You know, yeah, it was, it was an interesting show, but I was, y'all are young, you probably won't remember this, but when Elvis Presley was on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time, you know what they did? They filmed, just, they filmed him from here up because they were afraid that his gyrating hips was going to completely destroy the world and corrupt all the young people in America. And now, he turned out beautifully, didn't he? Just a sweet boy. He loved to give away cars and houses. He loved grilled peanut butter and banana sandwiches, and he loved his mama. Jesus calls us to not get tied up in these cultural things that try to, to, to destroy the church. Enjoy them. Live in them. It's a part of who we are. Be discreet and, 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 and know, know what, what feels right and what, what, is, is, what is not unacceptable to our Christian belief, but don't be so afraid of culture that you let it become the enemy. But then, that's the easy part. Here's the hard part. Jesus also calls us to live through the color of our skin, doesn't he? He calls us to love through the sexual identity that we claim the languages we speak, the religions we practice, the side of town that we live on, the political party to which we belong, and on and on and on. But listen, what does it matter? Are not our hearts all the same? And does not God love us equally? Wouldn't it be neat if, if, if we could say when we're asked to walk one mile with someone who scares us because they're different from us? Wouldn't it be neat to say, hey, let's walk too? Wouldn't it be amazing if, 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 if we're called to give our shirt with someone who we don't understand? To say, well, take my coat as well. I can get another one. That's the call of a disciple. You remember from last week, we are salt and light the salt and light that will uncover the kingdom of God that remains covered in this world. We are the church. We're called to, to love the world, all of it, every bit in the same way that God loves us. Because if we don't do it, who will? 
And how will they ever know? It's not easy. The Walmart lady tried, but she got it all wrong. (laughs) It's often confusing. Sometimes we really don't have a clue what we're doing. We just come here and and just hope for the best and, and make ourselves available. And that's a good thing. Don't lose hope. I, I want to leave you with a gift. This is, a, this is one of my very favorite quotes. It's from a Trappist monk named Thomas Merton. So I I'd, I'd, I'd invite you, if you want the words to it, to go home and Google it and find them and put it up on your refrigerator. But now, just hear these words as our closing prayer. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. So keep on keeping on. Be kind to each other. Be forgiving of one another. Don't be so full of yourself. That's what I have to tell myself. Lighten up. Laugh. Laugh a lot. You are the church. You are amazing. God has not brought you this far to let you down now. So go out into the world and share your light. And all God's people said, amen and amen.